Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Build the portfolio of tomorrow today with alternative investments previously reserved for only the top 1%. Yield Street's cutting-edge investment products are designed to grow your wealth, bringing you one step closer to the financial independence you crave. With minimums at just $500 and access to investments in art, real estate, venture capital, and more, the future of alternative investing is now with Yield Street. Visit YieldStreet.com to get started. That's YieldStreet.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, Blackhawks fans and friends. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score of the I'm Bat Podcast and claim to fame of a Mr. Jay Zawoski. Once struck out five batters in one inning in Little League with his patented knuckle curve. Jay, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I am excellent. I uh, figured you would enjoy my little trip down memory lane to your uh, baseball exploits. I, I very much enjoy all your all your exploits. They're very, very fun and entertaining, and I, I wait with bated breath every episode to find out what achievement that I've not actually achieved are you going to assign to me, which I appreciate. So thank you for that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Email us, madhousepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at madhousepod. We're on Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. We are on Facebook, Madhouse Hockey CHI. We've got a Patreon page if you'd like to donate, patreon.com slash madhousepod. And we've got our merchandise shop, madhousepodmerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. Thanks for, by the way, a really great uh, weekend here. We did our hot mic on Friday. Saturday morning, I I sort of reinvented that hot mic broadcast into a podcast, and we got a lot of listens on that. 
And here we are today doing uh, another full-length podcast, sort of reacting to the Tampa Bay series and uh, another rookie debut. Brent Seabrook takes out an ad in the paper, and James has a very, very interesting idea uh, for the second part of this show. So without further ado, let's start with today's 6-3 loss to the Lightning. The Hawks blow a 3-0 lead. And as I'm watching that game where I feel like I should be getting mad, I just sort of feel like, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> this seems like how it probably should be. Why did it make sense to you, Jay? They're just so overmatched in terms of talent. And, you know, when Connor Murphy goes out of the game for the hit, I know we'll get into that. I think you and I have some different opinions on that, which is great. Um, you know, you've already, you're already down Calvin DeHaan. You've got a lot of rookies in there already, and you just sort of felt like, that would be the moment where the game sort of turned, and that's exactly what happened. And Tampa just sort of turned on the Jets and just did not really take the foot off the gas. The third period was there were a couple times where the Hawks were pinned deep, where the goal just seemed inevitable. And and Jeremy Cowton said it after the game on Sunday: "This shows you how far away we are from being elite. That's an elite team. It shows you how far we are. Even when we play at our best, we're not close to elite yet." And I think the coach saying that is meaningful in a couple ways one it's an acknowledgement that they played well right that's a that's a good thing for the coach to say it's sort of the slap and tickle where he says this shows that we're not close but we played as well as we can so he wasn't really angry about it he was just sort of illustrating look we feel good about what we've done so far this year but there's still a long way to go before we can even pretend to think about contending yeah, obviously, I saw somebody had uh, made a comment today that I definitely subscribed to, which was, you saw today why the Blackhawks are talking about whether or not they're a playoff contender, not whether or not they're a Stanley Cup contender. There is very clearly an upper echelon of teams right now that includes teams like Tampa Bay and Carolina within the Blackhawks division that they just aren't quite to that level yet. And we've seen it this season. The Blackhawks are capable of hanging with those teams for the most part. I mean, you can't look at a series where you take three out of a possible six points is like a massive failure on the part of the Blackhawks. But I, I think what kind of struck me today, you may not have, you weren't, you didn't seem upset. Obviously you said you weren't upset watching them kind of cough up that three, nothing lead. I was a little bit because I felt like the Blackhawks, it's not like they let their foot off the gas. It was just for the first time this season, the Blackhawks seemed to kind of let the moment get the better of them, I think. They have been really good this season about responding when a team throws their best punch. And instead of that today, you saw them commit a lot of very uncharacteristic penalties. You saw them make a lot of really bad mistakes uh, defensively throughout the game. There are several players that you can kind of point to mm -hmm. and say that they have had some of their uh, worst games of the season, at least in that department. And it was just a lot of stuff that we're kind of not used to seeing from them this season. And after saying all that and like kind of letting it get to me a little bit during the game, I do have to come back to the fact this is still a very young team who ended up playing without two of their veteran defensemen for a large chunk of today's game. That's, that kind of thing's going to happen, especially against a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. So while I was a little bit surprised that I had kind of felt irritated with the Blackhawks for the way they coughed up that lead, gave up six unanswered goals, I think it took me a little while to kind of come to that realization that this is really 
part of the learning curve for a young team that really doesn't know how to win yet. And it just kind of took me by surprise. This is really the first time this season that we've really seen that kind of a uh, inability to rise to that challenge. Well, what they miss, and um, and you mentioned this too, you know, the, the Hawks have been good all season at responding to their opponent's best punch. And, and I agree with that. And I think when we talk about the value that Connor Murphy and to a lesser extent, Kelvin DeHaan, bring it's not only what they have on the ice it's the veteran leadership they both have where they can calm down a team that's a little bit maybe panicked or flustered at the moment right they have that 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 sort of um authority in the locker room the the young guys respect those guys and the other thing is they can get out there for a shift and just sort of slow things down themselves mm-hmm. right they can sort of stop the bleeding by just just with their competence and their experience and with Dahan out for the whole game and Murphy out after the hit, uh, they were reliant on Duncan Keith and a bunch of kids. That's that's yeah. really what it was. And Keith can't be out there the entire game, uh, nor should he be. And, you know, you've got Kalnick and Carlson and Mitchell and Boquist, and you had Zadorov out there, too. Um, just not a lot of experience out there on the ice, especially when Murphy went out. I really feel like that's the point when the game turned. Yeah, and obviously you pointed to a lot of the young guys were kind of having a rough time out there. I thought today was probably Ian Mitchell's worst game of the season. Uh, just abysmal, both possession-wise and eye test. Did not like a lot of what I saw out of him today, but I know we've talked about it extensively that young guys are going to have games like that, and you just kind of have to get used to that idea, right, that they're going to end up uh, – kind of flailing about at times, especially against a team like the defending Stanley Cup champions. And he was just a guy who you kind of saw a lot of bad things out of today. There were still some good things. I still uh, did like what I saw out of uh, Adam Boquist for the most part today. Uh, There were a couple of good uh, plays by Lucas Carlson that I thought he made at times today as well. But I just thought that overall – Uh, The defensive uh, effort today was not quite up to snuff and just a lot of lazy uh, stick and positioning penalties and just kind of the stuff that they haven't really been uh, too guilty of doing a lot this season. And then obviously Tampa just absolutely lit them up on the power play today Four power play goals for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That that's obviously something that the Blackhawks just absolutely cannot do if they want to win games. And it was just kind of a frustrating afternoon because obviously the chance was there to go out and get additional points and the Blackhawks just kind of coughed it up but at a certain point yeah I mean you just kind of have to tip your hat to the uh, Stanley Cup champions and chalk this up as a uh, learning experience for a young team yeah those, those stick penalties are usually a symptom of these guys are blowing past us and we have to slow them down and that's sort of a lot what we saw by the way you mentioned Bolquist a uh, second uh, among defensemen in ice time 1830 he was a plus one and dead even uh, 50% in possession. So yeah, a good game for him. And you're starting to see him I'm just, find his legs a little bit. You know, we've talked about him a lot, but I just wanted to mention that he was had 1830 of ice time second only to Duncan Keith among defensemen. So another hell of a game too, for uh, a, while we're on the subject of positives, I really want to, I really want to get into how well Matias Janmark played today. Man. Yeah, really solid game. He, he he was all over the ice, especially early on. The power play goal he scored today was just absolutely spectacular. A little bit of baseball action happening mm-hmm. there for Matias Janmark. Had a goal and an assist today. Oh, he like kind of lit up the score sheet because he had three shots on goal, two block shots, two penalty minutes. Like he just kind of did everything today except get a hit. 
darn it, Matthias Janmark, you got to get a hit, man. You got to really, you know, work to fill up the entire stat sheet. But I like the fact that he seemed to be thriving on the power play today. I would like to see him do a little bit better on the penalty kill, though. But I guess you can kind of like point to the entire team in that regard. Yeah, it, it's really tough to gauge anybody against uh, the Lightning, but th that's just a really good team. A true Stanley Cup contender, one of the best teams in hockey, if not the best team in hockey. So, you know, I said before this series started, if you walk out of this thing with three points, you feel great about it. That's exactly what the Hawks did. Yes, it's a little frustrating that they were up three nothing and looked like they were going to take five out of six possible points. And then the champs were like, mm, no, nah. we won't be doing that. <laughs> All right. So two things I want to get to in, in this game. Um, before we move on to bigger picture stuff, Wyatt Kalnick makes his de debut. Uh, I was very happy to see that. I love watching young guys get their get their first chance. Played ten fifty was a minus two in this game, two hits, two giveaways. Uh, but overall, I think he looked really steady. You know, just kind of looked uh, not overwhelmed by the moment more than anybody else was. Really, it's tough to go out there yeah. and make your debut against the Lightning. But uh, overall, very impressed with what I saw from Kalnick. Yeah, it was a little bit tough for him, too, because you were playing the uh, seven-man uh, defensive rotation. Obviously, that means a lot of switching up of partners, usually, and that can always be kind of tricky for you know an NHL player making his debut. He ended up getting out on the ice a couple of times with Ian Mitchell, and I highly doubt that's what they really <laughs> wanted to have happen. And then it just kind of seemed like throughout the game, it was just kind of a mix-and-match deal. Uh, he played a little bit with Duncan Keith today, just kind of played a little bit with everybody. So not really aware of kind of like a long-term plan, I would guess, with him to kind of find a uh, suitable pairing. But, you know, necessity makes some weird bedfellows, I guess, because obviously he had to kind of get put into the lineup last minute with Calvin DeHaan remaining out with a liquefied leg, I'm assuming is what we're going to say that uh, DeHaan's dealing with. But, yeah, I – it wasn't the greatest debut, obviously, no. in history, but it also wasn't bad. Like, it was it, – you know what it was? It was middle of the road good, and I didn't really notice him do anything overly bad. So, success. I'll call that a success. Yeah, definitely, and especially, you know, not really playing with an established partner. And this is the stuff I like to see, right? Like, it's – they're bringing in young guys to play, and they said, all right, we're going to go seven defensemen. We're going to sit Walmart out and bring Kelnick up. Give another kid a chance. I like it. I'm all for this stuff, man, and and I like the fact that Cowden and Bowman have not really lost track as to what this season is about. Now, I was going to ask you before we started, like, should this series, should the way the Hawks hung against the best team in hockey for, you know, um, I guess you would say eight of the nine periods, <laughs> they, they were <laughs> they were sort of in it and uh, and and right there with them. Does this change anything? I don't think it does, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes in terms of roster moves, but uh, I like the fact that they're not scared to keep giving these kids their debuts and giving them looks, and, and Kellenick's just another example. What is that, the ninth rookie this year to play? It's, it's getting eighth, up there. I, I thought like it was that. like seventh or eighth. Yeah, yeah. but it, to, I think to me, you can't let one game or one set of games kind of dictate the way that you're going to kind of feel about all this. I know that you and I were talking about this kind of being a, another uh, really good litmus test for the Blackhawks. I think that 
they, they, their intention this season was to get the young guys to play and to start kind of turning this roster around via a rebuild. I think they absolutely have to stick with that. I know that we've talked about uh, what they're going to do with the trade deadline, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Jeez. Yes. And I, I, I just want to say that, like, it can't let the – three game series against Tampa, like dissuade you from whatever it was that you're wanting to do with the team. And I'm totally fine calling this. Like you had said earlier that it's a three point and three points in three games against the lightning is acceptable. I'll, I'm right there with you with that. I think, and this is just something that it's just another, you know, three game set in this season. And I think that the uh, Blackhawks acquitted themselves well, but ugh, you just wished it had been a little bit more, man. Yeah, ugh, it still burns a little bit. I heard during the radio broadcast today, I was uh, traveling to my nephew's birthday party and back, listening to the game, and I heard uh, somebody ask Troy Murray if, you know, if the Hawks go 500 in this month. Is that would you call that a success? And there, however you just you know, however you, whatever you call five hundred, Murray said the Hawks were five games over five hundred. You know, at this point, and if they end the, the this month that way, you feel good about it. I, I tend to agree with that. I think I'm glad if, he said five games over five hundred because that's exactly what they're they're actually 500 sorry I, I i have to correct him they are 13 and 13 i know five of the losses were in overtime they are a 500 team right they uh, Foley and troy murray do that and i'm gonna i don't, I, I don't want to i almost to said him. i was gonna give him credit and then i realized what i was looking at and i mathed in my head and i was like no they're 13 and 13 screw you troy murray well that was james Naveau. you can reach him James Naveau at <laughs> no um, Troy Murray. I love you. You know this. Uh, you are one of my favorite Blackhawks ever. I'm just teasing you are him. A, a friend. You are a man. He's a who mensch is what he is. I worked for him during Hawks broadcast during the lean times. We developed a friendship and that friendship that will not be broken despite the rude comments of my co-host. <laughs> if Troy Murray says they're five games over 500, then damn it. They're not. They're not. <laughs> With James. So if they end this, if they end the season at exactly five, end this month at exactly five hundred where they are now, that to me is a win, and I'll take it. We'll see. Absolutely. Okay. I and I agree that this is going to be the toughest month they are going to have on their schedule. I completely agree with you on that front so if they end this stretch 500 and they're still in that fourth spot by the way a five-point lead on Columbus for that fourth spot and Columbus has played exactly as many games as the Blackhawks so and things are going really well there it seems <laughs> oh yeah everybody's overjoyed in Columbus <laughs> always everyone loves torts all right one more thing about oh, this speaking of Columbus what? 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 Uh, what? hail to the orange what I said hail to the orange What's that? I don't know what that is um, Illinois uh, beating Ohio State yesterday. Oh, right, right, right. Basketball, yep. what have you. Just, just, hey, you know what? How many points? My did... beloved Illini. How did James get a one seed do? in the tournament? How's that Lewis doing? By the way, they're not. They're not. They're Division Two, <laughs> and I think they're actually pretty good. Back off, jerk. How's James Augustine playing? Is he still good? I man. How's deep? You to bring out Luther Head now? Or are we? Oh, Luther talk Head about was Ro my guy. Ro <laughs> <laughs> Who was the really tall, skinny kid with the dirt stash? It was after the D Brown era. Oh, like seven feet tall, eighty-seven. Was it, it wasn't pounds. Myers Leonard, was it? No, Myers Leonard is the very handsome. Uh, I didn't know if he. I didn't know NBA if he had a player. dirt stash in college. No, Myers Leonard is a is a dreamy. We dude. make a lot of mistakes in college, you know. Illini greats. Illini greats with tall, bad mustaches. White guy. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> Someone will know this. Yeah. He he played a... I don't know. Who cares? There's not the Illini Madhouse po- Hockey Podcast or whatever. Hey, some, sometimes we just like to go off on uh, tangents. You saw that during our um, hot mic the other night. Yes. It's going to bug me, but I won't think... I won't have time to find it now. Anyway, he was... Anyway. Okay, so one more thing about today's game. Uh, the Connor Murphy hit. Uh, I saw what you tweeted about it. I'll let you say your piece, and we'll, we'll uh-huh. argue about it. It's a penalty. It's not a major. It's not a misconduct. It's not a suspension. It's a penalty because of the way the game is. I saw that hit. I watched the replay 10 times. He hit him with the shoulder. He never left his feet until after impact. And the intention, the aim, he was not aiming at his head. His head found his way to Murphy's shoulder because he turned his head. But I think Murphy was trying to hit him right square in the chest, and it just didn't work out right. And, yes, Mm. you get penalized for that. But if he is suspended for that hit, I will be shocked. Yeah. Shocked, I tell you. Um, I, I did want to say that originally I thought Murphy had left his feet. I thought he was off of his feet when he made the hit. It was on the follow-through, and I corrected that, but people didn't seem to see that tweet. I, so no. I had to deal with, like, 30 people replying to me, he didn't leave his feet. Well, good. Zapruder film. I'm glad that you sat there and watched the replay 14 <laughs> times and was able to correct me off of something that I thought I saw in real time. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. Wow. And then to conclude the thoughts, I did think it was worthy of a major penalty. I, I don't think there was intent to it. I do think there was principal point of contact to the head. I think that Murphy has to be a little bit uh, more careful in that situation. Aim your hit better, I guess you would say. But based on the fact that I'm, I don't, I didn't see intent there, and based on the fact that he doesn't have obviously have a history of this, I would not be in favor of suspending him. I think that the major penalty in the game misconduct was sufficient. While we're on the topic of dirty hits, a couple of people asked us on Twitter what we thought of the Tom Wilson hit. The same thing you thought. The same thing you thought. Tom <laughs> Wilson's a jackass. What? Here's the thing. He's too good of a player to be that stupid. He's like an actual decent hockey player. When he's not trying to kill someone, just play the game, dude. It's like he cannot help himself. Really? Like, he knew exactly what he was doing there. Yeah. That was like the scene in Slapshot where the, the Hanson brothers have their first shift and they go, they'll simultaneously destroy the guy in the corner. They knew <laughs> he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He knew exactly he was aiming high. It's just bullcrap. He does this stuff all the time. There's no defending that hit. So seven game suspension. He did not. Um, what's the word I'm looking for when you it didn't appeal it? Didn't appeal it. Correct. Thank you. And uh, and it's going to stand. And that to me is is at least what it should be. Uh, by the way, I have history. I have a hot take on this topic. If you're uh, oh, willing to hear oh, it, I'm ready. I think that if you appeal a suspension in sports, the adjudicator of that should be able to decide to give you a longer suspension if they feel that your original suspension wasn't long enough. I don't think I don't think that the appeal should only mean that a suspension goes down. I agree. Wouldn't it add like, just such a wonderful <laughs> element of chaos to everything? Well, it also oh, stopped. you think that seven games was a, mis- a carriage of justice, huh? 30 well, games. how are you going to feel about 11? <laughs> this one goes to 11. You uh, whiny little brat. Wow, I like it. This is like, uh, these. Are, we got to start t- keeping like a note of our radical hockey ideas where <laughs> my favorite one is that games cannot, one goal games cannot end with penalty time remaining 
Ooh. So if the team that's down one is on the power play when the clock hits double zero, they keep playing until the power play expires. Also, I, I love that. If you also if you score on a delayed penalty, you still get the power play. Even oh, how about this, Jay? If you fail to convert on a penalty shot, you still get a minute long power play. I like that. And if you fail to score on that, you get shot at center ice. <laughs> you get shot. No, you get shot at dawn by a firing squad. <laughs> okay. Oh, and last in the last kind of goofy. I do have one last goofy uh, penalty hot take. All right. If you commit a penalty at the end of the first and second period and it carries over, you should have to stay in the penalty box the entire intermission. You hit it right on the button there. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Just feel sh- just sit by yourself. You get nothing. Everyone yeah. leaves you, they turn the lights off, then it gets kind no of No food, no water, no sustenance, no support. <laughs> I like this. I like, this is a good off-season topic. Stupid <laughs> hockey ideas starring the Madhouse podcast and their fans. So stupid, they're brilliant. That's like the, that's, I think, the uh, slogan of this podcast. Uh, by the way, James, we have news. Very important news. We finally know when Fry the Coop and Tinley Park is opening. Tuesday. Tuesday, March 9th, Fry the Coop in Tinley Park will be open, and my fat ass will be there. <laughs> Ooh, I just go. felt a surge of power go through me with this knowledge. Yes, sir. So the Tinley Park location of Fry the Coop opens on Tuesday. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally, they are open. So happy for Joe and all the people at Fry the Coop. I know they were hiring a couple weeks ago. Man, it's exciting that they are finally there. And realizing their whole, you know, uh, the whole thing. And you guys are all going to love it. I promise. If you've not been there before, now is the time to visit Fry the Coop. Go to frythecoop.com. You place your order online. You can pick it up, take it out. It's beautiful. It's super, super easy. It's super, super safe. And aside from that, it is the best damn hot chicken you'll ever have in your damn life. It's amazing. I've had all the places in Nashville. All of them. Okay? I really really enjoy hot chicken fry the coop is better than or on par with the best places in nashville they've got the tenders the chicken sandwich the chicken and waffles the donut chicken sandwich you like hot chicken fry the coop is your place if hot is not your thing you can order their great chicken country style with no heat on it at all the mild my daughter eats uh, but then you start to get to the medium the hot it starts to get pretty hot pretty challenging so Make sure you pace yourself. The new location in Tinley Park, 16703 South Harlem. Again, they open on Tuesday, March 9th. Cannot wait to go get some hot chicken. We're going to bring some and have a little patio party with us and our friends. It's going to be great. You will enjoy it too. Frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. Man, I'm excited about this. Mm, fry the coop, baby. That, that's the clo- that's by far the closest one to you, right? Um, by a million miles, approximately. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly true, but yes, it's pretty close. All right, let's take a quick time out, and when we come back, James will reveal. Uh, actually, he already revealed it, but I missed it. <laughs> we'll explain more next on the Madhouse yeah. Chicago Hockey Podcast. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. 
Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski. There's my partner, James Neveau, out there in Bourbon. We want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theater Street. They are family-owned and operated since 1933, and you could taste that in every bite. Made with love, made with the same recipes for a long, long time. Why? Because it works. Go to Marishka's. Try their poor boy sandwich. That's to put them on the map but everything there is terrific. You'll go back again and again. There's a reason Marishkas has been in business as long as they have because it's great and the experience is reliable and the same every time in the best way possible. They've got a great craft beer menu if you're ready to dine in. They're open for dine in, so go support Marishkas and the Zadralovich family, 604 Theater Street. Go to marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas that's spelled M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go visit Joe and his family at Marishka's in Crest Hill. All right, James. Friday night, you and I are doing the Hot Mike podcast, and uh, we are just talking random stuff. We start talking about this Brent Seabrook thing. I'm giving out the website to donate to South Suburban Humane Society. We raised over $400 for that, so thank you, everybody, who donated. If you'd still like to donate, southsuburbanhumane.org slash donate in memory of my dog, Ray, who passed on Friday. Uh, you're presenting this great idea, and right at that moment, we get a $50 donation. Mm-hmm. So my eyes light up, and I stop listening to you. So I'm going to give you my full attention, and podcast audience, I want you to do the same. James, restate your idea <laughs> so we can discuss it. Because after I heard it from re-editing that episode, I'm like, wait a minute. That's a really interesting idea. Mm. So the Blackhawks are in an interesting situation right now where Brent Seabrook obviously just retired from hockey. The Blackhawks have placed him on long-term injured reserve. They also, I noted, and everyone else probably noted too, also put Andrew Shaw on long-term injured reserve and put Zach Smith on long-term injured reserve. With all of those moves, the Blackhawks now have seven players on long-term injured reserve, and thanks to that have nearly $22 million in available cap space. Now, if they were in the midst of potentially competing for a Stanley Cup, you'd say, hey, let's go out and get a guy. Do You know, it's what happened when they went out and got Antoine Vermette, that kind of a deal, you know? Everybody would be clamoring for that. However, in the situation the Blackhawks are in right now with a ton of young players in the fourth spot in the Central Division and currently holding a playoff spot, would the Blackhawks be better off instead of just strictly being buyers or sellers be a strategic buyer and buy a toxic asset from a team in terms of a bad contract. So I'm talking to you, Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm talking to you, Toronto Maple Leafs. You want to improve your roster? Uncle Stan should be here for you to take on a bad contract so that you can acquire somebody good. Of course, you're going to want to give us something back in return, say a prized prospect, a solid draft pick, something like that. You know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. I think that's something that the uh, Blackhawks should uh, explore. What do you think, Jay Zawoski? So the hesitation I have is it's at the expense of some kid, right? So if the Hawks are going to trade for some veteran with a big contract just to help bail out another team and gain an asset, 
whatever it might be. Uh, Cause it's time for them to do what so many teams have done to them in the past. Like, Oh, you want us to take um, Brian Bickle? Cool. Give us Tavo. Uh. <laughs> you know, maybe the Hawks can return that favor to some teams around the league, but if it's at the cost of young guys playing, is it worth it? I think if the asset is good enough, right? If it's a third round pick or a second round pick or a first round pick, God for not God forbid, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, then you have to consider it because in a perfect world, would I like Lucas Carlson to be playing? Just throwing a name out there, right? Yes, of course. But if you're going to acquire a high-paid veteran who's going to help your team and an asset, I'm willing to delay Lucas Carlson's development or whoever it might be for a few months to gain that extra asset. I think that's worthwhile. I don't think putting whoever the young player is that you like that's been contributing this year back in Rockford to play top minutes so you can take on this asset and this contract, I think that makes a lot of sense, and it is something the Hawks should be eyeing. Now, if it's like just take on this deal and we'll give you a a six-round pick or something, eh. Yeah, it's got to be something really worth taking on right. for me to sacrifice development of a kid. And the only reason this really came up, it's obviously not like there's going to be a metric ton of teams that are going to be clamoring to do something like this in terms of trade deadline moves. That is something that you're going to see a lot more of in the offseason, I would think, especially with the salary cap remaining flat or at least projected to remain flat next season. I still think, though, you have to be open to that possibility, especially with the amount of uh, space that the Blackhawks have created. I mean, $22 million is an eye-popping number. I mean, that to me is a team that could potentially go in a lot of different directions. I, I, I just think the Blackhawks are probably trying to give themselves as much flexibility as they can moving towards that trade deadline. I'm not assuming obviously that any team is going to absolutely blow them out of the water or anything like that but if that opportunity presents itself I, I mean you dressed 11 forwards again today right it's something that you're doing a lot of you clearly aren't just going to have Matthew Highmore in the lineup every night just for funsies right like this is something that the Blackhawks could do if you get like a forward on a bat I'm saying like a lot tonight I would like to apologize for that um if you want to do that and play him as a 12 forward, whoever it is, whatever bad contract it is, I'm not opposed to that. There aren't a lot of guys that you're blocking the path of right now, at least in terms of forwards, just because of how many injuries the Blackhawks are kind of coping with on that side of the ice. So I think that's probably where my focus would be, and I would absolutely be all ears if any team asked the Blackhawks if they'd be willing to uh, do them a solid. The other thing to consider, too, is – you could open up spots by trading some of the valuable veterans you have, right? So like your Carl Soderberg. Yeah, someone's going to want Soderberg. Someone's going to come asking about Matias Janmark at the deadline. Yep. Those guys combined make uh, 3.25. So that, that opens things up a little bit. And some roster spots. Walmart is 950K, and he's restricted after this year, but... You know, who knows? So there, there's a lot of possible, even like Zadorov makes 3.2. Or they, Dylan Strom. Yeah. I mean, if he gets healthy. if And if they've seen enough of Zadorov, that, you know, they got to look this season. Eh, not thrilled. Don't want to pay him more than he's making now. Maybe you trade him. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. So my ears perked up when I reheard what you said <laughs> after you had this great idea that I totally missed because we got a huge pledge. I guess it's a good reason to miss, but. I was fascinated by that idea. I think it's it's really something that the Hawks have never, even last year, were not really in position to do. 
The other thing to consider is, is there still a chance Jonathan Taves comes back? We don't know. But even if he does, that's $10.5 million back. That's still only half of the amount. Yeah, exactly. You still got over 11, what, like 11.4 left at that point of cap space. And that's even if you don't move any of those other veterans. So this is certainly a possibility for the Hawks. My only concern is that, and not a concern, but I think one of the reasons maybe it wouldn't happen is because of how no one really knows what this deadline is going to be like. Right. It's this very strange season with the flat cap and with COVID and all that stuff. Is it going to be active? Is it not? Uh, but if this is a typical trade deadline or anything close to typical, this is definitely something the Hawks can consider. K- and kudos exploit. to the Blackhawks for getting ahead of the market then. If that's going to end up being the case, at least you're in a position where you can explore as many options as possible. I give Stan Bowman credit for well, that. Well, and that's why at first, you know, the Soderberg deal, I was kind of like, why? Like, yeah, you, you got this perfect chance to just like let the kids play. But now you have now you've also given your, yourself a chance to gain an asset at the deadline. And that is a very appealing piece to a team that's that feels they're a, a depth center away from competition of a Stanley Cup. There's a lot of teams that, that with a million bucks cap space that can take on Carl Soderberg and would be very, very happy to have him. So like, just think of those Hawks teams in the Cup era. If you were to add a guy like that at the deadline, we'd all have been thrilled to add a guy like that, a veteran that can kind of do it all uh, with a lot of upside that you can put in your bottom six and let him really shine down there. That's a no-brainer for I think that he is going to be a hot commodity at the deadline. I really do. Completely agree. Uh, Jay, there is one other thing I'm going to ambush you with on this podcast and get your uh, take on. I'm not sure if you'll have to uh, give the hot take button another uh, All right, let me press with this. However, I think we need to do something first. I need to know, Jay Zawoski, yes. how do you always smell so damn good? I use Dr. Squatch that up boy oh man tell me more please i rick camp and i recorded the i'm fat podcast today and i was telling those people about dr squatch uh, and they need it more because they're fat and stinky um and the new deodorant the birchwood breeze smelled so good that i was laying in bed last night and i was smelling my own armpits i know that's okay, weird Molly shannon but i had put it on <laughs> sometimes i get nervous and I do this yeah and i hit the mic at the same time but yeah, uh boy. It was. I put it on in the morning, and at 11 at night, I was still smelling amazing. I'm like, wow, this stuff smells so good. Then I was doing it to Hope. Like, look, Hope smell. I'm like rubbing her, my armpit in her face. She really loved that. But she's like, all right, you're a jerk, and I hate you, but that does I'm smell I'm pretty sure really that's good. how Addie was conceived. <sighs> is that how it works? I was wondering. I just thought you peed everywhere. <laughs> You're manly musk. That's what that yeah, is. That must have been it. But Dr. Squatch is not just deodorant. They're on the map because of their awesome made-in-the-USA all-natural bar soaps. Got a question today on Twitter. Say, hey, what Dr. Squatch do I buy? I'm like, oh, these are my favorite. The guy went and got the entire sample. He got one of everything. I'm like, well, that was Atta helpful, boy. too. And when he did, he saved 20% by using that promo code MADHOUSE20. You can do the same thing. Go to DrSquatch.com. When you're ready to check out, use that promo code MADHOUSE20. But check out everything they have to offer. The bar soaps, the hair care kits, the toothpaste, the beard oil. Uh, the deodorant, everything they offer is outstanding. It's natural. It's going to make you smell great. It's made in the USA. There's really nothing to not love about Dr. Squatch. And I am not only a uh, advertiser and partner for Dr. Squatch. I am an evangelist. I love their product. I use it every day of my life. It's in both my showers and my home. I use a shampoo, deodorant, toothpaste, everything that goes on my body or in my mouth that's not food 
is Dr. Squatch. And if you try it, you'll love it too. So go to drsquatch.com, use that promo code MADHOUSE20, and you'll save on your order while helping the podcast at the same time. And I want to remind people too, we don't plug it enough, but we've got a really cool merchandise shop, madhousepodmerch.com. Go check that out. Madhouse podcast t-shirts, hats, tank tops, hoodies, anything you can imagine with our logo on it, they've got it there at madhousepodmerch.com. So make sure you check that out as well. So a big week of games coming up for the Blackhawks here, James. Dallas next on the schedule for them. Uh, But now that they've cleared this, I I guess they haven't cleared it, but now that they sort of held their own in the series against Tampa, you know, it feels like the initial really hard parts over two against Dallas in Dallas, two against Florida, then back in Tampa for two. um, And then two more in Florida to Nashville. And then they end the month with in Carolina or against Carolina. So it, it is, it is easing up here a little bit after Tampa, but I'm really curious to see what these next four games with, with Dallas and Florida bring. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of Dallas yet. They're a team that obviously had their season interrupted by the uh, cold weather in Texas, so you're still not quite sure of what to make of the defending Western Conference champions. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Blackhawks fare in those two games, and obviously we've seen them play Dallas already this season. Two overtime wins, by the way. The Blackhawks have uh, registered against the Dallas Stars. I'm curious to see if there's any letdown from playing three in a row against the Lightning. I know that we talked a little bit during the Detroit series about the Blackhawks potentially playing down to their competition a little bit and playing up to their competition when you were contrasting their approaches against Detroit and Tampa Bay. Very interested to see what they do against Dallas on Tuesday night. That's going to be a big night, by the way, Jay Zawaski. You know why? Why? 1,000th career game for one Patrick Kane. All right. That'll Can be you fun. believe that? <sighs> it just makes me feel so old, man. Did it you? Really were does. you watching? I'm assuming you watched the broadcast today and you watched the montage of young American players saying that they idolized Patrick Kane growing up. I'm and trying. I wanted to go outside and bury myself in the ground. I men and blacked myself after that. I carry those devices around just in case. I hear something that makes me feel old and sad, and I, I is did that, that like myself. Jameson Caskmates? Is that what does that to you? <laughs> Kinda. It depends <laughs> on how much I have, but yes, it's uh, it's temporarily gone or fully gone, depending on how much Jameson castmates I drink. Um, but yeah, that's. And there was a picture that came out of him earlier this year with like a weird lighting on him, and he looked old. Like he yeah. looked like an old hockey player, and that was it's very only his fourteenth NHL season. Still going strong. He's as good as he's ever been, and that's awesome. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold Jay said so. Oh, I'll take that. I'll be Stone Cold. That that dude's, that's the man right there. Who would not want to be Stone Cold Steve Austin? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, because I don't think there's anybody. Probably The Rock. I think he yeah, probably maybe. wouldn't trade. He might have yeah. a leg up on him. Yeah. Anyway, that was a fun episode. Thanks for joining us here on the Madhouse Podcast. Uh, like we said, busy week, two games coming up. Probably talk to you on Thursday after Thursday's game. We'll see. We'll see what the week brings. Obviously, if there's any breaking news, we'll always jump in when we can. But uh, let's hope the Hawks can keep hanging in there against these great teams and give us uh, an exciting finish to this season because there's not much of it left, to be honest with you. So we appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.